0: Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Frogs Insider Podcast. Jamie Plunkett here alongside Melissa Treewasser breaking down all of the latest news regarding your TCU Horn Frogs. We are back, ready to talk about a lot of, lot of things on the agenda tonight, Melissa. We got Frogs baseball getting ready for the Big 12 tournament. We've got some more basketball news with deadlines coming up for declaring. We've got football cruton. We've got some other news and notes. As well. So you're gonna to want to stick around for the entire episode of this podcast. As always, right out of the gate here, shout out to Dave Campbell's Texas Football, the Republic of Football Network. That is what we are a part of here uh, at Frogs Insider. Very excited to be working alongside some great folks as well as the gambling gauchos. So um <coughs> very, very excited as always to be a part of this network. Treep, how are you?
1: I am, you know, I'm doing well. It's it's grad season, so those of you in education, you know, shout out to to those of us barely hanging on by a thread for May as a teacher. It's always an interesting time, but we graduated uh, 246 young women and sent them out into the world, uh, several, three of them to TCU in the fall. So very excited about that. I'm doing my part, uh, TCU and Heath Einstein, to spread the good message on the West Coast. I got you guys.
0: Keeping that California pipeline strong.
1: You know it, you know it.
0: Love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. Well, I'm glad that you are holding it down for all the educators in California, um, sharing all of your woke wisdom with them, you know, just making sure making sure that they're they're Just, primed and ready for the, their yeah. liberal arts degree yeah. from Fort Worth, Texas.
1: Indoctrinating the youth of the nation one young, impressionable mind at a time. You know Absolutely.
0: Me? Love love to see it. All right, so let's dive on in uh, <laughs> to what we've got for you guys on this episode. We're going to start with TCU baseball. You know, Melissa, the last episode, a couple weeks ago, we talked about what TCU needed to do to give themselves a chance to make the NCAA tournament. and And I think at the time, we really kind of agreed – You've got to sweep Baylor. You've got to beat Texas State because that's a high RPI game. And you got to go to, to Manhattan, and you have to take two of three from Kansas State at the very least. And TCU did exactly that. Did they swept Baylor. Things. They checked that box. They beat Texas State handily on that Tuesday night in their final home game of the regular season. Check that box. They should have swept Kansas State up in Manhattan but Garrett Wright blew a save opportunity on Friday night. Kansas State walked that off. And TCU responded by taking Saturday and Sunday in impressive fashion to win that series. That's the first time this year, Melissa, that TCU won three weekend series in a row. Pretty you dang could, good time to do it.
1: You could almost say they're peaking at the right time, couldn't you? You could.
0: You could. And you know, I think too, you know, I specifically was very critical of this team about a month ago now, a little over a month ago, uh, probably about six weeks ago about what we had seen on the field, uh, some other stuff that had been going on that we had heard about. Uh, and I have to, I have to say that I'm, I'm just very impressed with the turnaround that this team has made in the back half of the season to go out to win. What is that? Eight of your last 10 games, uh, like 11 of your last 13, something like that. Um, It was just really impressive, and you saw a lot of leadership. You saw a lot of really good coaching, both from T.J. Bruce, Kirk Sarlos, John DeLora, all the way down. Uh, It looks like something really just kind of slid into place for this team over the last three, three and a half weeks. Um, And they're playing baseball that we're used to seeing TCU play. They're hitting the crap out of the ball. They're playing elite-level defense. They're pitching incredibly well. The starting pitching has been for the most part, completely dominant over these last three weeks, save one or two starts um, over the last 11 or 12 games. And that is just exactly what we expected kind of out of the gate this year for TCU. So it's really nice to see them put it together late.
1: Well, you know, we've talked a lot about how young this team is and how young they are at critical positions. And when you talk about the starting rotation, I mean, so many of these guys that are playing key roles are freshmen. And the thing with freshmen is they can either be really, really good at the end of the year or really, really bad. And I think what we saw is kind of in that that middle of April, they kind of hit that slump, that swoon, that freshman wall. But what's really impressive is the way that they've powered through that. Um, When you look Mm -hmm. at at what a a kid like Cole Klecker has done, when you look at, I mean, Carson Bowen's been one of the most consistent players on this team. You know, he had a little bit of a blip defensively, but for the most part has consistently been the kind of everyday catcher that you need if you want to be an elite postseason team. Um, Ben Abel is another guy who made the all-freshman team. Um, you know if it weren't for the injuries, I think we could be lo- we could be talking about TCU as a top three or four seed in the big 12 tournament right now um, or, or top three seed but as it stands what you have is, is freshmen that push through that freshman wall are playing really consistent veteran level baseball and like you said a coaching staff that, I mean, I don't know if we gave enough credence for TCU fans in general gave enough um, appropriate weight to how hard it is to change an offensive system in the game of baseball, but it seems like for the first time really all season, pretty much everybody's on the same page. And in a sport like baseball, that can mean a whole heck of a lot um, in, in some of these important conference games down the stretch. And the Horned Frogs are playing, like you said, the type of baseball that we expected them to play all season and the type of baseball that cannot just propel them to a late season surge, but into the postseason with a lot of momentum that could lead to, to potentially some upsets down the road.
0: Yeah, it it really could. And, you know, they've set themselves up so good Four seed in the big 12 tournament starting on Wednesday morning against Kansas state. So, you know, you have another opportunity to beat the wildcats uh, in the first game of the big 12 tournament. You win that you move on to a Thursday afternoon game against the winner of Texas against Kansas. And that's where the challenge really starts. So I, I, I like how, um, the team is setting themselves up in the big 12 tournament as well. They're starting cam Brown on Wednesday morning, which by the time you're listening to this, that game will probably be underway if not over. Um, So hopefully we get good cam uh, on, on Wednesday morning. Um, He has though, frankly had a couple really impressive outings over the last couple of weeks, which, which has been good to see. And now you get post semester cam Brown, which we talked a lot about, Porter Brown being Mr. May, once yeah. his neuroscience classes ended, you could talk about a lot of these guys is, ha- is trending in that direction too, of saying, okay, well, now that they can only focus on baseball for a little while, we might see a little bit of a bump in their performance. And, and Cam is definitely one of those guys.
1: I've been, I've been advocating for a while that Cam Brown is the perfect candidate to get the opener. You know, the, the Tampa Bay uh, Rays kind of piloted this a couple of seasons ago where you get a guy that goes and pits as an inning because second inning Cam Brown beyond tends to be a dominant force. It's just been the the beginning of the game. But like you said, if he can kind of get that monkey off of his back early on mm-hmm. and just come out and consistently throw strikes, it's not that he doesn't have the stuff. It's well-established that he has the stuff. But if yeah. he can throw strikes from that first inning on, then, yeah, TCU absolutely has a chance to beat Kansas State. And, I mean, Texas doesn't have a whole lot to play for. It doesn't mean they're not going to play hard. But, it, but at this point, they're pretty locked in, I think, to where they're going to be. Um, the, the Horned Frogs have a lot – they have a lot that they can prove here. They have a lot of ground that they can make up here over the next few days. And so um, I think you're seeing a confident team that, that is playing for something meaningful um, and has a little something to prove it's playing with a chip on their shoulder. And like you mentioned the leadership of guys like Elijah Nunez who had you know a a game saving home run robbery over the weekend mm-hmm. against Kansas State. Uh, Brayden Taylor, who just made the first team All Big Twelve for the first time in his career, which seems kind of unbelievable, right? Um, yeah. And and is is on the verge of potentially um, owning the all time home run record at TCU. Um, you've got those veteran guys, um, um, those elite talents that are not just playing at a really high level, but being high level leaders as well. Like it wouldn't surprise me if if TCU was one and done this week, it wouldn't surprise me if TCU won the whole thing. I I think, and and that's, you want to go in with a shot. And, and I think, uh, I don't know if a month ago we would have said they had a shot, but right now it's kind of a why not us mentality. And and you love to see a team playing loose with that kind of attitude.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think the coming off of a weekend where they just took two of three from Kansas State, you might be a little leery of playing Kansas State again, especially with how that Sunday game ended. Melissa, you mentioned that Nunez robbed a home run on the final out of the game to seal that win for TCU four to three. Garrett Wright came into that game and a lot like on Friday, he was a little bit shaky. He gave up a couple of runs, uh, but the frogs managed to hold on. I, I do think, though, however, that this team in Arlington playing in Globe Life Field. Is a different baseball team. You know, they're three and one there this year. They should have really been four and oh. I think they're like seven and two there in the last two seasons, seven and three. So, I mean, they've got a really good record there. They're comfortable playing there. They play there more than any other team in the big 12. Uh, and that is going to feel a little bit like home field for them going yeah. into Wednesday morning, which I think is going to give them an advantage. Cause Kansas state, if you'll remember, hasn't played there since last year. Right. And so this is travel, Wednesday morning, new place, unfamiliar Major League Stadium versus TCU, who's been there a bunch all season. And and I mean, they have even when they haven't been playing there, they've had practices there throughout the year on bad weather days in Fort Worth. They've been able to get out to Arlington to practice there a little bit. So this is a place where TCU is very comfortable. They're very familiar with this ballpark. Uh, And I think that plays into their advantage on Wednesday morning and probably throughout the rest of the big 12 tournament as well. But one thing that is to be noted as we kind of continue our conversation about the big 12 tournament is that the frogs will be without their normal Friday starter, Louis Rodriguez. He is out for this week with a shoulder impingement. It's an issue that he's been dealing with on and off this year. Uh, They made the decision to, move on without him for this week in the hopes that he will be ready to go for the NCAA tournament in two weeks. I think that's the smart decision because with what TCU has done on the last, you know, three weeks of the regular season, they've pretty much cemented themselves uh, at, for an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. You know, last last episode, we we're like, here's what they have to do to even think about getting in. They might still even need to win a tournament game or two. Well, right now they're sitting at 33 and 22, Their RPI is at 38. They're number four in the big 12. I think they're pretty much a lock at this point, unless some really crazy stuff happens in some other conference tournaments. Uh, D1 baseball thinks the same thing. They've got them projected as the three seed in the wake forest region, which wake forest is their number one overall seed. So that would be quite the challenge for the horn frogs to get out there um, and and do some damage in Winston Salem, but that would be kind of fun to see, I think. Uh, But d1 baseball pretty much gets it right every year uh, i would be i would be surprised regardless of results in the big 12 tournament if TCU was left out of the ncaa tournament at this point yeah
1: but i think like like you said that that i, I think they're pretty much a lot to get in but right now you're playing to not have to play the overall number one seed on the road right now mm-hmm. like i don't think there's any illusions that tcu is going to host but what you hope is kind of their their reputation and the precedent that they've had in the postseason over the past maybe. Win a couple of games, and maybe you're not playing Wake Forest. Maybe you get something a little bit closer to home. You end up, you know, in, in the state of Texas and in Arkansas, something like that, with it, with the chance to have a little bit easier travel and in a slightly less arduous road um, to a to a potential super regional. Regardless of what happens, CC still going to probably be um, a, a low two or a low three potentially. I think they'd have to, even if they won the entire Big Twelve tournament, they're still probably looking at best at a two seed. Um, it's mm-hmm. going to be a tough road. But, you know, we've been saying this all season long, talent is not the issue. This team is dialed in and locked in and relatively healthy. Um, I, I mean, I don't I don't think you'd look at any bracket and say there's absolutely no chance they can make a run. Um, it's certainly you would like to take an easier road than a harder one if given the chance.
0: I think so. But at this point, you know, you have to feel confident in the way you've played the last few weeks. And, and that should be enough to kind of propel you into postseason play. I will say this, you know, kind of looking at one's rest of their bracket, just to kind of run this really quickly, they do have Texas as a host with both DBU and Texas A&M ending up in that region. Mm -hmm. That is something that I would love to see Mm -hmm. is Texas A&M have to go to Austin for a regional. I would feel really bad, though, if Dallas Baptist doesn't get to host. They've won 40 games this year. Mm -hmm. I feel like they've earned that right at this point. They've played some really, really good baseball over the course of the season, to see them at the two seed, while Texas is that 16 seed and final host would be a little bit disappointing. But also, you know, when you kind of come into that point in, in the bracket and you're trying to figure yeah. out, all right, who's going to host, who's going to be the two seed, you do take into account stadium, location, yeah. easy, you know, th- that kind of stuff matters, and and you're going to pick Austin over Dallas Baptist ten times out of ten simply for stadium and and being able yeah. to sell tickets and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So. Uh, a little disappointed if DBU doesn't get the host, but also I can see it from the NCAA's standpoint as well. Um, outside of that, you know, Oklahoma is one of the last four in right now, according to D1, which gives the Big 12 Texas, TCU, um, Kansas State, Oklahoma, um, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, in the big in the ncaa tournament i'm scanning is west virginia
1: not in the field of 64 because you would have to imagine yeah
0: i just don't know i haven't seen them but i don't know where they went
1: so it's really why i'll vamp a little bit while you're looking but it's really interesting in the in a year that pretty much everybody agreed was down for Big 12 baseball you're still looking at what six seven teams making the the field and i think that's it's Mm. very likely i mean oklahoma obviously could fall out pretty easily but if six six out of 10, seven out of 10 make it. Maybe not you don't have a dominant team. Maybe you don't have necessarily a national contender like you're generally seeing out of this conference, but there's still a lot of teams that absolutely nobody wants to see in their bracket come no. host. Yeah, comes No, CD. so
0: I mean, right right now D1's projecting Texas Tech as a 3 seed in Baton Rouge and with the way LSU's bullpen has pitched this yeah. year, that's something they don't want to run into. You're talking about, you know, West Virginia is the two seed playing Virginia. You don't think they're going to be hyped up to go to Charlottesville? I mean, come on. Like, they're going to want to go and and make some noise there. Oklahoma State hosting a region in Stillwater with Oregon State, Grand Canyon, and Oral Roberts. I mean, that's uh, a nice setup for them if that becomes the case. Um, So, you know, there's definitely some opportunity here, I think, for the Big 12 to make some noise. They've been playing some really good baseball. Those teams that you expected to play really good baseball all year, TCU, Texas, Texas tech, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, state have all been playing really good baseball down the stretch. West Virginia faded a little bit. That was a kind of tough end of the season for them, but you're, you're looking at this now and you're saying, Oh, okay, this is the big 12 that we kind of anticipated seeing all year. Mm-hmm. And now they're stepping up come late April, May. So if that continues, I wouldn't be shocked to see some big 12s make some deep runs, but at this point we haven't seen, I think a large enough sample size of anyone being very successful to really kind of project that with any confidence. Yeah.
1: I, I will say that, you know, of, of all of the teams in this this field, if there's one team outside of TCU that I really hope gets hot and make a run, it's 100% West Virginia and Randy Maisie. Um Really mm-hmm. awesome to see them kind of just being in contention for the Big 12 title all season long. Um, you know, if you're not familiar with the story of his son and what he endured with the traumatic he- brain injury and the comeback that, that he's made and that his family has made. Um, just a, a former TCU assistant. I mean, just an awesome story, awesome mm-hmm. baseball um, uh, facility, like a really great place to play. Um, I definitely would love to see West Virginia. So many times has been that bubble team and hasn't gotten to make it in. TCU's broken their hearts a couple of times along the way. Um, if there's one team that that can make it in, that I'll be rooting for outside of the Horned Frogs, it's 100% the Mountaineers.
0: Yeah, I mean they're going to be in, right? Like we're we're they're locked in at this point, but uh it, yeah i agree it would be fun i admittedly i think i was talking with brian Esridge about this or like at the start of the baseball season i didn't think west virginia was going to be yeah as good as they were this yeah, year now they did either. take advantage of a down tcu getting a sweep there they took advantage yeah. of some other teams that were slumping but credit to them because yeah. a lot of teams don't games. take advantage of that yeah. when they're presented that opportunity so shout out to the Mountaineers for for doing what they did this regular season now uh, you know, go and lose the Big 12 tournament to TCU, and then make some hay in the NCAA tournament. That'd be pretty yep. dope. Um, totally as we that. as we transition out of baseball, though, and shift into some football conversation, I do just want to note that the Big 12 did release their all-conference baseball teams today. And Braden Taylor, like you mentioned, first team All Big 12. Anthony Silva, who was the preseason freshman of the year, was second team All Big 12 alongside Garrett Wright. Uh, honorable mentions were. Carson Bowen, Cole Klecker, Cole Fontenelle, and Louis Rodriguez. And then the all freshman team was Anthony Silva, Carson Bowen, Cole Klecker, and Ben Abelt. So eight Horn Frogs recognized with Big 12 postseason honors. Uh, pretty good and a, a fun young foundation that this yeah. team gets to build on in this postseason and beyond. You know, Kirk Sarlos did mention after the Baylor series that you know, these freshmen aren't freshmen anymore, they're sophomores uh, with the level of experience that they've gained this year. And, and that's going to be invaluable come postseason. season uh, but that's also going to be incredibly valuable come next year when they are the guys carrying yeah. the heavy load, uh, well, for this team.
1: I, I think it's also just really just kind of in, in the world that we live in with the transfer portal and all of these things, it's really great to see this team kind of galvanized and, and feeling like they've hit their stride, um, at, at a time of the year where a lot of guys are starting to look, um, you know, for greener pastures and greener fields, um, I think you can see that this is this is a group of young guys. There's gonna be guys that leave, there always are, but a group of guys that seem really committed that haven't given up on the season, who didn't throw in the towel when the opportunity presented itself, um, and, and showed a real commitment to wanting to get better and to wanting to be successful. And so um, yeah, like you said, an incredible foundation to build on in the future. Um, it'll it'll be really fun to to see what of this core stays together and and what that means for the future of TCU baseball and how, how what the ceiling does the limit does not exist for this group um as far as talent goes. So it's gonna be fun to kind of watch them grow in the postseason and then on into fall ball.
0: It really is. It really is. And you know, thinking about uh, progression of careers and what people are going to do next in the next step of their career. Melissa, rookie camps, mini camps happened for the NFL. Oh, this. So good. Uh, you
1: are God, man, the segways just like they're
0: just rolling. We're rolling. rolling. Uh, yeah. So rookie mini camps happened over the last couple of weeks for the NFL. And obviously, because of the NFL draft results, there were a lot of horn Frogs that participated in those rookie mini camps. Melissa, you kind of threw some notes together on that. What stood out to you as far as frogs kind of getting their first taste of, of NFL football.
1: Well, I'll tell you what I love to see is after, you know, TCU has had a couple of wide receivers go early in the draft the last couple of years, and, and we haven't gotten to see kind of that result present itself on the field, but Quentin Johnson got into Chargers camp and day one looks like a dude. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and first of all, like of all of the teams that he could have gone to selfishly, I'm so excited. He went to the Chargers because like the best social media team of any nfl team yeah i mean a plus like their schedule release video outside the titans video is my favorite but like if you're into anime the charger schedule release video was just full of easter eggs and and things um what they do on social is just unbelievable what they do on tiktok is great i yes i'm a woman in my 40s who has tiktok i don't post i just lurk um but But we're gonna get so much great content on Quentin Johnston and Max Duggan and Darius Davis over the next uh, couple of seasons. It's gonna be a lot of fun, but. Yeah, I was super impressed. Um, everything that came out of, of Chargers camp, I thought was was overwhelmingly positive for TCU. You talk about Quentin and they, they showcase his hands, his route running ability, just his, his footwork. Just so many great things to say. He looks like a guy that's ready to step on an NFL field and contribute. Darius Davis got a shout out from Peyton Manning. Like in what world did we expect that to happen? That he's the perfect receiver. He has speed hands, incredible route running, can buy the soft spot in the zone type of player that could be a QB's best friend. I mean, if there's a guy that you want talking about your your late round draft pick, it's Peyton Manning, like, right, is a perfect wide receiver. Um, so that's really exciting. I think there's going to be a place for him um, in the lineup on the 52-man roster as well. You know, Max Duggan struggled a little bit, not in a way that I think TCU fans are surprised by. I, I think we know where his issues lie and what he's got to work on. But I, I just, I feel really confident that there is a place for him on, in that program, on that team because of the toughness that he brings, because of the work ethic that he brings. Um, Justin Herbert is a a relatively durable quarterback but he certainly missed some time over the last couple of years Um, you've got a guy that can come in that can learn a playbook that can execute a system that has some good athleticism Um, I I think Duggan's got to play so Really, really fun to see those guys down in Los Angeles be successful. Really fun to see uh, D. Winters, uh, who looks like he's going to back up Dre Greenlaw um, in San Francisco and just physically uh, those two guys profile out to be so similar in how they play the game, how they look playing the game. Um, it looks like he's worked his way into the two deep pretty quickly. And then Steve Avila, um, you know, is, is one of a couple of uh, guys with the Rams. Um, just I it's, you pencil him in as the day one starter at left guard um, mm-hmm. for, for a team that, is expecting a bounce back season. So um, the guys that are in camp performed up to expectation or beyond expectation. Um, it, it looks like there's going to be a lot of opportunity, not just for these guys to make rosters, but to compete for snaps, you know, in the first couple of years of their career. And uh, that's really exciting as, as a, as a TCU fan to know that there's going to be guys we can watch on on Sundays and also Thursdays, occasionally Saturdays, there's a couple Friday games this year. Um, A lot of really fun matchups coming up uh, across different days of the week between between guys that have worn purple in their careers.
0: Yeah, you know, and it'd be really cool to see Steve out there specifically playing against another or playing with another Horn Frog and Joe Nopum, who's an offensive tackle for the Rams as well. Kind of have uh, TCU locking down one half of the offensive line to protect Matt Stafford and uh, his one of his has to be final years playing football. The guy is older than me at this point, and so not quite, but basically our age. I think he
1: is. I think he is older than you. I think
0: he's a year younger than me. I think he's got a year on me. Uh, but I mean, Hey, I'm in my mid thirties. So yeah. the dude's Rough. been grinding for a long time and he hasn't exactly been injury free either yeah. at this point. Uh, you Tom, know, Tra- Tom Tra-
1: Brady's Tra- older than me and, and was still playing this is up this year. So this is true. That, yeah.
0: he's got that. He's got, I don't know what he's got. He's got to deal with the devil or something though, going <laughs> on over there. Um, but, you know, Trey Tomlinson was in Rams camp as well. Uh, had an up and down uh, mini, mini camp. Um, But yeah, it was, it was really good to see all of these guys get out there and, and do their thing in, uh, in the NFL. Right. It's just more guys in the NFL family from TCU, which builds up the reputation, helps the coaching staff on things like the recruiting trail, which gosh, segues on point, uh, which TCU has been, uh, you know, Hitting on all cylinders, it feels like on the recruiting trail lately. They got a they got another commitment for the 2024 class recently. Tobias Steps, an offensive tackle out of Lancaster, which Frog fans will remember is the home of Mike Miles Jr. as well. Steps committed, he's the fourth commit for this class, the second offensive lineman for this class as well, which is really important. We've talked about it on this show before. Sunny Dykes really likes to recruit an entire roster every cycle, which means yeah. He's looking to build an offensive line. He's looking to have a quarterback. He's obviously got that in House Haney for this class. He wants a full secondary. He wants a defensive line. And so you're starting to see his methodology come into play at this point in the year with the 2024 class. He's got multiple linemen. He's got his quarterback. Now he's got to start to figure out some of these other positions, including – In the secondary, where the Frogs have made the top five for Jordan Johnson-Rubel, who is a high four-star safety out of IMG Academy in Florida, he just announced his top five earlier this week. It's TCU, Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, and USC. This is a kid who is elite athletically. He's ranked by a 24-7 composite as the number 118 player overall number nine safety overall mm. out of Florida. And he has an excellent relationship, an excellent relationship with Paul Gonzalez and Carlton Buckles, TCU's two secondary coaches. And so that I think is going to pay some dividends for TCU down the stretch. I feel pretty good, frankly, mm. about TCU's um, chances to land Johnson Rubell. Obviously there are a lot of blue blood names on that list, but you know, none of those blue blood teams uh, double check and played in the national championship last year. Uh, so, you know, I think that TCU's got a pretty good chance here. Well, that's,
1: that's the next step, right? You talk about how do you capitalize off of the kind of season that Mm -hmm. TCU had this past year? Number one is, you know, you're not seeing a big influx of recruits, which is never what you expect. Um, from, from TCU, you're not going to get a ton of year in advance guys in May. That's just not the way the Horde Frogs have operated historically. But mm-hmm. if you want to start the floodgates opening, the way to do so is to win some of these battles over four blue blood programs. And if you get a commitment from a player of that caliber that has a top five that includes Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, and USC, mm-hmm. that's very, very eye-opening. It's, it's what we've always talked about with TCU being unable to sign, you know, a five-star straight out of high school you gotta get that first dude in, and once that guy comes in, other people are much more likely to say, "Okay, like he was willing to to be the first one to kind of to to jump. We're willing to follow because because now we know you know it's a safe landing spot. So yeah. be a huge deal for the Horned Frogs. Be a huge deal for Sunny Dykes, and mm-hmm. it would kind of build that momentum going into a season where. There are still obviously a lot of question marks, but there's also still pretty high expectations.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, so this is a kid who they're going to get on campus too in mid-June. I think he's going to be here the 8th or the 10th. Uh, we know that the coaches want to get these guys on campus because yeah. they know that their facilities will stand out. Yeah. They know that their relationships will play re- play up really well when they get a kid down to Fort Worth. It won't be too hot yet in June. <laughs> They'll have just come off of their big DFW showcase. Uh, and so I think it'll be a really good time timing wise to get him on campus and show him around and really show him some love because he'll be one of the few guys around. Right. So they'll be able to focus all of their attention on him and really kind of hype him up the way that he should be hyped up. He's a great player. He's a great kid. Uh, and he deserves to be, you know, shown what it's like to be a superstar. So, and hopefully he ends up choosing to do that in purple and white. So we'll keep you updated on his recruitment. Um, Along the way, but but keep your eyes out for that visit coming in mid June for him. Um, oh, one note that I forgot to talk about, as far as Tobias Steps is concerned, he made his commitment live at the Dave Campbell Texas Football. Offices.
1: No way, that's so cool!
0: Pretty dope. So shout out to Dave Campbell Texas Football. Uh, shout out to Tobias Steps. Partnerships happening all over the place. It's crazy. It's crazy what happens when people come together, Melissa. Um, anywho, moving right along. Uh, more recruiting news: The frogs are hosting a transfer portal prospect this week. Of uh, Oklahoma defensive lineman Corey Robertson is going to be in town. Robertson missed 2022 with an injury, but he's got 29 tackles And 26 career games for the Sooners, and this is a big, big position of need yeah. for the yeah. frogs. Uh, Let's—I mean, if, if we're being completely honest, they. They held that defensive line together with with duct tape and bailing yeah. wire at times last year. And it's looking like that's going to kind of be the case again this season if they don't get some more bodies in. They've got some talent. Like we're not saying that they don't have talent, but you need depth. Yeah. At yeah. a three-man front, you need depth. You've got to be able to rotate guys in. Uh and right now they're they're lacking that a little bit with some of the guys that have left the program and graduated. So Roberson would be a huge addition. Getting him on campus is a big deal. He's currently committed to Arizona State. He committed to Arizona State like a week it's, and a half ago. Man,
1: it's Arizona State in almost every dang time. Yeah,
0: it's weird. But, you know, getting him on campus is huge. Uh, he wants, maybe wants to be a little closer to home and he's from Texas, uh, and SMU, I think is also pushing pretty hard for him as well.
1: Listen, Arizona, Arizona State, TCU, if you can get him on campus, maybe you got a good and, and on campus with looking at, like you said, the depth chart, the opportunity to play quite a bit. Um, hopefully, hopefully TCU can work some of that magic away, away from some of those competitors doing the recruiting for the sun devils.
0: I'll say this. I've been in TCU's practice facility. I've been in Arizona State's practice facility. One is elite, mm-hmm. one and one is, is Arizona State. One oh. is an inflated piece of plastic. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's at least an advantage there yeah. for the Horn Frogs. Yeah. Um, two guys that are leaving the program though if, through the transfer portal that were hope uh, you know fans were I think hopeful that these guys were going to be bigger parts of the program moving forward. Chiron Chambers and former four-star receiver Jordan Hudson. Are both heading across the Metroplex to SMU, Melissa? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, now these are these are both guys that when Sunny Dykes was at S of U, were both, if I'm correct, committed to S of U at one time. Is that no? Tyron
0: was not. um, Tyron was not. Okay. Jordan Hudson was not either. I don't believe you're thinking of Cordell Russell. I. mm, Yeah. No, this
1: is. I so I, I I swear I believe this is someone. Oh, maybe you're, right. could, maybe you're
0: right. Maybe you're I right. I could
1: definitely be wrong. Um, I know Kyron Chambers
0: though. wasn't though, because Kyron Chambers was committed to yeah. Arizona.
1: Okay, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. So, but but I, I think that you know obviously um, Jordan Hudson just flashed so much potential, um, and he mm-hmm. had some really big catches in some really big games. Um, it is a loss for TCU. If there's one area where you can potentially stomach losing a top tier talent, um, it is probably the wide receiver. Unit Mm -hmm. For the Horn Frogs, Um, I I think that especially because they brought in so much veteran depth, I don't blame Jordan for kind of seeking out more opportunity. Um, You know, SMU loses Rasheed Rice. There's a there's a chance for an alpha to come in on that program and be a day one alpha. And I think Jordan Hudson wants to be the number one wide receiver on on a team. And so I don't blame him. I was a little like I'm disappointed to lose him. Obviously, I was a little bit more disappointed to lose Kyron Chambers because I think that's an area, again, Everybody came back at that, you know, like so. So I know it was going to be a little bit of a depth chart battle, but I thought that he was so in line after to get snaps this year, and then to be the first guy kind of off the bench this year, and after this year to be a legit star at TCU. But again, I'm I'm assuming seeking out more playing time, seeking out more opportunity, and also potentially seeking out a little something extra, huh? I don't if this for but, the for the audio only audience. Jamie is currently making a motion of. Rubbing money between his If fingers. you knew,
0: if you remember Johnny Menzel, yeah, his celebration. We're, we're hitting the Johnny Menzel right now. Look, um, NIL is a thing. It just is. And once a player hits the portal, write a big check. That works, right? It's been proven to work. Um, I will say this. I will say this specifically about Jordan Hudson. It was really interesting to watch the spring that he had. Mm-hmm. Because John Paul Richardson came in. And pretty much asserted himself as the guy alongside Savion Williams for snaps at those outside receiver positions, for being the guys that were, were going to build that relationship with Chandler Morris and be the guys that Morris trusts alongside JoJo Earl to an extent as well. It was very interesting to watch Jordan Paul, or sorry, it was very interesting to watch JPR step up in that regard and for Jordan Hudson to seemingly be content kind of falling back and fading back a little bit in that regard. So you have this dichotomy almost of one guy coming in, new guy on the block, really trying to establish himself, working his backside off. Another guy coming in, been here for a year, just not putting forth the same level of effort. And you saw how things bore out throughout spring you saw how things bore out in the spring game um and look this is a talented kid who is going across town and he's going to be a good wide receiver for smu i'm not saying that he won't i'm saying that he's going to get more snaps over there than he probably was at tcu this year yeah and that's that's just a fact right and smu fans can hear that and be upset and cry about it and be like no we got your, we got a good receiver why are you being so mean uh you got a good receiver. I'm yeah. agreeing with you. I'm also saying that there is a different standard at the wide receiver possession at TCU right now. There is a yeah. different level of expectations. There's a different level of depth. And SMU, I have no doubt that Jordan Hudson will be a great wide receiver for you guys. I have no doubt. But I don't know that that same opportunity was going to present itself yeah. at TCU this season. And that's why he's gone. And that's Well,
1: fine. there's a difference between... You know, having talent, a lot of guys in Division One football have a high level of talent, um, but it's the guys that want to not just match their talent, but work constantly to exceed it that end up becoming great. And when you look at the competition in front of you, um, some players rise to that challenge and see it. It pushes them to to be better. Um, some guys see that challenge and say, mm-hmm. I can do the same amount of work somewhere else and get more opportunity for it. And I'm not faulting either one. Um, being a, a Division One athlete is is a lot of work on top of what is already a lot of work of being a college student. And so, um, you know, I, I wasn't there for the spring. I, I definitely think that I'll defer to you and seeing that. But it's not it's not something that wasn't talked about fairly openly um, if you're looking in the right places. And so, so I said, wish him all of the best, except for one game a year. Um, and, and and maybe
0: not it. even that after this year. So. Yeah,
1: maybe not even that. Um, but, but I, I think I'm going to be really interested to see, like I, I've been, you know, and, and again, what you see on social media is only what you see on social media. But when you look at what Cornell Russell, the kind of things that he seems like he's working on and just the way that like he looks physically and different things and, and what he's doing, um, maybe that takes the sting off of it a little bit, because it seems like that's a guy who has some, some preternatural talent, but also has that kind of work ethic that, that could make him potentially elite. And so mm-hmm. I'm excited. Uh, I, I was not I, I will say I will I will eat crow today and hopefully eat it again in the fall. But when I saw JPR, it did not get me going. I was not super excited about that commitment when I saw him at the end of the spring. I went, oh, this is a dude, right? Like this is a guy. And so I, I think you look at that JoJo Earl, I think is, is going to really have a chance to blossom in the system and, and at TCU. Um and and I'm man, I'm just I, I am team Savion Williams, have yourself a season kid. Like I just want this dude to blow up. I hope this is the year. Um, and I think mm-hmm. he's a guy too that that maybe didn't maximize his potential. And maybe, you know, wasn't doing all of the things that he needed to do. And I think last season um, really kind of stepped up no- towards the end of the season. And so he's got a chance to hopefully um, be a big contributor yeah. this year just, as well. So. hang on to the football. Just yeah, hang on just to the, hang football, on the football, Savion. Yeah.
0: And, you know, he, like you said, he's going to have some of those opportunities that he probably wouldn't have gotten last year with Quentin and with Tay yeah. and with Darius and some of these other guys that were in, in line for some snaps as well. But, you know, you look at this this receiving core right now. It's Savion. It's JPR it's Jojo Earl, uh, a couple of these younger guys as well. And then you've also got uh, Jack Besh transferring in from LSU, who was their leading receiver two years ago. And you've got, uh, you know, in my opinion, one of the potentially elite big 12, if not national tight ends coming back this year. And, and so, you know, I think that there is an abundance of talent that is going to be trying to vie for uh, targets and Mm -hmm. there's no, You know, there's no reason for at this point Chandler Morris or whoever plays quarterback to have a good season uh, or to not have a good season as long as, you know, the offensive line keeps them upright. So,
1: no, um, no excuses. Plenty
0: of guys to throw the football to. Just give them some time to throw the football at this point. Amen so yeah. story
1: story <clears throat> of most of the last five years of tcu yeah it's,
0: that's a fact that's a fact just keep them upright, right and maybe they can make something happen uh and then we saw what happens when you keep a quarterback up yeah. all of 2022 yeah. it's pretty nice meanwhile
1: they turned sean robinson into a cornerback because they couldn't keep him up right so among other things but <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: among <laughs> other things among for other sure. Things. Other duties as not assigned in in that man's case, but uh, that's uh, crude news. That's transfer portal talk. You know, we'll get into that more along the uh, along the way here this summer as the showcase happens as some of these official visits happen and we'll keep you up to date on all of the recruiting news. Melissa, you just made a big motion like you were I did. Something.
1: I have such a good, I was going to segue, but now when you have to talk about the segue, the segue kind of loses its power. But speaking just of the transfer it. portal, yeah, mm, speaking of the yeah. transfer portal, um, basketball has seen a lot of portal action over the last couple of seasons and continues to see it as we head into the off season and the summer for college basketball could be some of the most chaotic time in the world. There are some big decisions coming up this week. Uh, you said in our little group chat a a photo of one of TCU's prime um, targets that they are not – I mean, they are technically recruiting. Yeah, JV's always out here stirring the pot. Um, but but it seems like our, our pal Emmanuel Miller, after a pretty good showing in the G League elite camp, was having, having a, a little acai bowl or something with, with a couple of TCU coaches. Um, what are we hearing on E-Man and his decision, whether to go pro or to stick around in Fort Worth for one more run?
0: Yeah, he was having a little snack, a little acai bowl with head coach Jamie Dixon and assistant coach uh, Dwayne Broussard, right? Like they were having a nice little healthy meal there. Yeah. E-Man looks looked very fit. happy.
1: Oh, he looks good. Looks happy, has some new
0: ink as well. Yeah. Um, You know, just living the life at this point this spring, having gone to the G League elite camp, working out for NBA teams, trying to feel out the professional waters a little bit. Um, You know, I think last time we recorded, Melissa, there's been kind of a roller coaster with Emmanuel this spring, about a month and a half, two months ago. Uh, I was told that the, the expectation was that he would go pro that he was gone pretty much no matter what uh, about him, you know, three weeks ago that started to shift and there was more hope that he would be coming back to TCU and they were holding the roster spot for him, just like they are with Damian ball trying to figure out, you know, okay, well, while we kind of let, you know, Damien and Emmanuel figure out what they want to do, they got a couple more days to make that decision still, Uh, We're going to focus on recruiting some centers out of the portal, get bigger on the front court, and and just kind of figure out what they want to do and address that one way or the other once that deadline passes. I think that they're really hopeful that Emmanuel Miller will return to this thing next year. Now, is that me saying that he's 100% coming back? Absolutely not, because there's a lot of time left. For him to make a decision. The deadline is Sunday, May 28th for anybody who wants to return to school, who still has some eligibility, who has been testing the professional waters for them to come back. So we will know by Sunday night what Emmanuel Miller's plan is, what Damien Baugh's plan is. If you had to tell me, if you had to, if, you know, gun to my head right now, I think at least one of them is coming back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that a guarantee? No, but I think based on what I've been talking to people about that at least one of them is coming back. My gut tells me that it's Damian Ball. Yeah. But I would not be shocked. I would not be shocked if both of them end up playing for TCU again next year. And that would be a huge boon for TCU to get two veteran guys like that coming back, leading this new group of transfers. When you think about the guards that they brought in this year Jameer Nelson Jr., Trey Tennyson, right? Like some of these really elite guards, plus Assam Mustafa. A uh, big man from Coastal Carolina. The likelihood is is that they're going to bring in one more center. We'll talk about some of those names in just a minute. This is a thing that if you have that leadership of Emmanuel Miller and Damian Ball coming back into the fold again, that is a team that could make another run and get past that round of thirty-two uh-huh. this year. You know, if you have all of the right pieces, if you have the right big men, the right guards, a lot can happen. And when you have veteran leaders like that who have been at the cusp of the Sweet 16 a couple of times now, they're gonna be motivated and they're gonna be able to motivate the guys around them to get that job done this year. It would be great to have them both back in the fold.
1: Here, Here's the thing, and I am team go get your money pretty much every <clears throat> time, right? Like yeah. I am gonna, if you have been a good representative, a good a good person, human being, you've done right by TCU. I want TCU to do right by you and to encourage you to go chase that bag when the opportunity runs. and. By every account, Emmanuel Miller is one of the most delightful human beings to put on a TCU uniform, Um, Mm -hmm. a a great ambassador for the program, just a great, great guy. Anytime I've talked to him, I've just come away just just so and absolutely enamored with his personality and his his care and concern for the program. Um, He seems like a great guy. All of that being said, if I'm in Emmanuel Miller's camp, this is what I'm telling him. Listen, buddy. You are awesome at the G League elite camp. You showcased your athleticism. You showcased your hustle. You did all of the little things that teams love to see. But if you come back for one more season and you average 15 and seven, which I think is a very reasonable expectation for him, he can be the first or second leading scorer on this team next year. The offense can move through him more without Mike Miles on the floor. And I wanted it to run through Mike Miles, but we saw him at the beginning of last season do things on offense that that showcase his all around ability as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as the season kind of wore on, like some of that was, was guys got hurt around him. Some of that was this chaos on, on the team, but but some of that fell off. But if he can consistently put down 15 a night, 15 to 16 a night, pull down seven to eight rebounds, a couple of deflections, a block, which are all things he's capable of doing. He has a chance to not be a, a two week, two way contract and undrafted guy, but, but potentially, even a fringe first round pick or a early enough second round where you feel like he's guaranteed a roster spot. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he definitely is going to face an uphill battle this season. Like every NBA, NBA scouts, NBA teams, the things that were coming off of him were like, man, he does all of the things NBA teams like to see. But most teams still don't have him on their draft board. Like he's not a guy that's getting put in mock drafts. And so he's going to probably be an undrafted. He could go overseas. He could make a really good living. He could make a lot of money. He could work mm-hmm. his way back. But I think with one more year, he has a chance to legit get his start in the NBA or get his start in the G League with eyes on him to make that make that lead to the NBA.
0: Yeah, and you know, you talk about the numbers that you just suggested for him. I mean, last season he averaged twelve point three points per game, six and a half rebounds. He shot fifty and a half percent from the floor. He shot thirty nine percent from three.
1: Yeah, right? he
0: was one of the. He, now he wasn't a volume three point shooter, yeah. but you think about the progress that he has made from the time yeah. he got. To campus to the end of this past year, he attempted I think like five threes in his season at Texas A and M, and he was just not a he was not by any stretch of the imagination a stretch for yeah. hybrid four three guy, and he is right on the cusp I think of yep. really truly becoming a three four hybrid elite defender who yep. can shoot the three who can rebound incredibly well that frankly Kenrich Williams style yeah. of player.
1: And that's who, worked out pretty dang good for Kenny. I would
0: say so. I think he's all, he's going on what nine years in the league now. Six. Not that, we're, not of, that like, we're not that old. We're not that old.
1: We're pretty old. <laughs> we're pretty uh, old.
0: But but I mean that's the kind of that's the kind of role he could carve out for himself for sure. in the NBA, and that's not unreasonable. I don't. That's a like, long I'm, career. I'm that's with you career. in that. I I don't know that that happens if he goes this year. Yeah. After next year, maybe right? But there's also yeah. the risk side of things. It's not sure. all reward. We've seen guys come back and not have the season that they were they were expecting to have, maybe suffer an injury that really sets them back, right? There is a lot of risk into coming back. And I know that Emmanuel's weighing both of those things pretty heavily right yeah. now as he tries to make his decision. Um, but I do think that, uh, you know, he is the kind of guy who will do all of the right things and and follow the process the right way in order to make a decision that is best for him. I know that he's listening to all of the right people at this point. He's got a really good circle. He trusts the right folks. Um, And and I think that when he makes a decision, whether it's Sunday or or earlier, uh, you know, he's going to do that with the full confidence that he's made the right decision for himself. And, and at the end of the day, like, what else can you say when, when, I mean, we've gotten to know him really well, the last couple of years. And like you said, he's genuinely one of the favorite, my favorite players I've ever covered in any sport at TCU. And that, I mean, you know, just the interactions I've had with him, the interactions, you know, my wife has had with him and, and just some of the, some of the things that I've seen him doing around campus, going out of his way to go to schools and read for kids to go out and and just be a part of the Fort Worth community at large. Uh, Incredible human being, Emmanuel Miller very excited for whatever the next yeah. step of his career is, whether that's back at TCU for another year or playing professional ball somewhere. Yeah.
1: I won't begrudge him one. iota oh, If he, if he goes pro I'll be super supportive. I'll root for wherever he lands. Um, but like you said, the trajectory is so close. He's on the precipice of, of becoming one of those guys. Um, I think he could see that next year, but like you said, there, there's always risks. There's always things to weigh. Um, The longer that you play, the more tape they get on you, the more they criticize you and critique Mm -hmm. you. But um, but yeah, at at the end of the day, like he would be it would be a great win for TCU to get him back. One thing I'll say about Jamie Dixon is is I know that 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 people, you know, kind of they like to nitpick in him. But one thing I really, really respect about him as, as a leader of this program is that he is super honest with guys. He doesn't try to talk them out of things they shouldn't be doing. He doesn't try to talk them into things they should be doing. He is we can guarantee that that conversation over that acai bowl was was delicious and that it was it was an honest and it was a like let's figure out what's best for you not what's just best for me and I, yeah. I think that that's why he continues to recruit at a high level is mm-hmm. that he's a he's a straight shooter and I think that guys trust him he's earned that trust
0: yeah I mean we just saw it play out over the last two seasons with Mike Miles as well yeah. right I mean at that press conference where Miles announced that he was going to the NBA this year you know he talked about his experience last season doing this similar process and not even actually going through the whole process because he knew he wasn't ready yet. And Jamie Dixon got up shortly after that and talked about, yeah, you know, I told him I didn't think he was ready. And I said, Hey, let's lay out a plan for your next year here to get you ready, right? Let's shoot 36% or better from three. Let's draw X number of fouls per game. Let's step it up on defense. Let's, you know, let's, let's, um, force more turnovers and steals from the guard spot, guarding the perimeter. And let's check some of these boxes. And so not only did he lead with transparency and honesty with a player, but he also said, I'm not just going to tell you this and then walk away. Here's the plan, right? Here's here's the groundwork that you can lay this year to make sure that next year when you have this conversation with me again, I can give you a different answer. Right? I mean, he stood up at that podium and said, it was time. It was time for Mike to go. He did everything he needed to do this year. He checked all the boxes we set for him. Uh, And I have no doubt that those similar conversations are happening between him and Emmanuel right now, where one way or another, whether he's telling him, yeah, I think you're ready. I think it's time to go or, hey, here are the things that we're going to do this upcoming season to make sure that next year you are ready, uh, that he's doing it the right way and that he's doing it openly and honestly with the player. And that is, like you said, a reason that you're seeing some of this elite talent transfer in over the last couple of years. This is why TCU is continuing to rise in respect when it comes to rankings, when it comes to the way national analysts start to talk about this program. I mean, you sat down with Fran Freshilla earlier this year and he sung Jamie Dixon's praises. Yeah. He sang TCU's praises, right? Uh, Jamie Dixon is transforming the perception of TCU basketball because he is doing everything the right yeah. way. The minutia is getting done the right way. He's taking care of the details. He's put together an elite staff that follows his lead, understands what he expects from them. And then they go out and they execute things in that same honest and transparent way. Um, And that is why we're seeing the results we're seeing from TCU basketball over the last several seasons.
1: Yeah, completely agree. And hopefully they're going to get over that hump and make it to a sweet 16. That's, I think that's kind of the next step in the legitimacy. I think they're so much.
0: I think they are too. I think they are too. And, you know, we'll see how uh, obviously a lot of that comes down to roster construction and, and who ends up actually being on this roster, you know, a month from now. So, you know, by the time our next episode comes out, we'll know what Emmanuel Miller and Damian Baugh have decided to do. Hopefully we'll have some more news on the recruiting front as well. They'd lost out. They've lost out on a couple of big men this year. Yeah. They, they wanted uh, Russell Chewa. Uh, the center from South Florida who ended up committing to Georgia. They wanted Warren Washington. Another big man from Arizona state who ended up going to Texas tech. Um, you know that's, you know, that's a guy they're going to have to face in conference now next year when he's playing out in Lubbock. Um, but they do have a couple names that they are still pursuing on that transfer front, trying to bolster that front court a little bit more. One big name is uh, Ernest Uday jr. Out of Kansas. Right when he hit the portal, I was told that TC was going to get after him really hard. And they mm-hmm. did that. They hit the ground running with him. Duke came in. They're a big player for him as well. Uh, I, you know, based on what I was hearing over the last week or so, almost expected him to commit to Duke already. Uh, but that hasn't happened yet. And from what I've been told, he is going to give tcu and kansas state an opportunity to sell them so by my understanding right they're in a dead period for recruiting right now so nobody can visit until after may 26th which i believe is this friday um but i would not be surprised to see uday get on campus uh in the next couple of weeks start to visit uh kansas state probably as well uh go see jerome tang's program up there in manhattan uh, and then also sit down and, and figure out if Duke is the right choice for him as well. I think those are the three big players for his recruitment right now, but obviously that would be a massive get for the frogs, a big seven footer, a true seven footer who can come in uh, and, and provide just a little bit of uh, a different defensive look for the frogs outside of, you know, six foot nine, Xavier Cork, six foot 10, Sam Mustafa who are more athletic, more rim runner type guys, uh, but not that big shot blocking presence. Uday's I- an elite athlete as well. I don't mean that as a knock against him, but just yeah. a bigger, longer presence that, that's going to affect shots a little bit more. Another guy too, uh, Damian Collins, another kind of smaller big man, 6'9", 6'10", um, from Kentucky who hit the portal in late April. Uh, He's been taking his time with his recruitment, which I think every kid should do. Uh, But he was on campus a couple of weeks ago, visiting TCU for a pretty quick in and out visit from a Friday afternoon to a Saturday morning, but he did make the time to get in and and visit the Horned Frogs. He's another guy that the, that the Frogs staff feels really good about. Um, And again, though, like you're talking to these two big men, Damian Collins seems more along the lines of a guy that you're going to really go hard after if Emmanuel Miller doesn't come back. They play similar style, they play similar roles. Would you love to have them both if you could? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how you get everybody on the court at that point though. And so kind of going back to that conversation about honesty and transparency, right? Emmanuel Miller, uh, he's the incumbent. And so if he chooses to come back, you're going to take him. We're not going to send Emmanuel Miller packing for a for a guy out of the portal. So there is that kind of whole wait and see holding pattern keeping guys on the burners. Uh, keeping guys warm situation happening right now for the Horn Frogs. But like I said, come Sunday night, we'll have a lot more clarity on what this roster looks like for the 23, 24 season. And that'll kind of dictate what TC recruiting does going forward.
1: Yeah. And it'll be interesting to to kind of see how this comes together, get these guys together um, for some summer training and then get excited about a new season in the fall. It's there, there've been some fun games. There's a fun tournament in Hawaii around, around, uh, Christmas time so there's a lot to look forward to in TCU basketball uh, mm-hmm. regardless of who is suiting up uh for the Horn Frogs this year
0: yeah they're gonna have elite talent uh, I mean that's gonna be the case regardless of whether or not Damian Bond and Emmanuel Miller come back Yeah, it's just you know who will step up and be that leader at that point that will it's, be the big question what
1: what wild times that we can look at pretty much every sport on TCU's campus right now including women's basketball where Mark Campbell has just been
0: mm-hmm. killing just-
1: it killing it on the recruiting on the transfer portal trail and and just say hey look at all these rosters talent is not going to be the issue but about imagine Mm -hmm. being imagine being a coach right now and thinking oh man right no excuses no excuses melissa
0: maybe we do a two a two episode week next week where one where we sit down and we really look at hoops both men's and women's and then one where we sit down and talk about baseball coming off the big 12 tournament and just otherwise i mean we could do a two-hour episode yeah but we yeah. could also do two one-hour episodes yeah. and make that a little bit more consumable for for folks as well. Yeah. So maybe we'll have a, a little off offsite a little bonus, meeting. Yeah. We'll figure little, it out. Figure it out. Bonus
1: and, content um, for you guys. A little,
0: little extra content for you guys over at Frogs Insider. Um, Melissa Bram Kohlhausen is mm-hmm. a guy we need to talk about. Um, he had a, a terrible accident a couple of weeks ago. He fell out of a, a helicopter while he was hog hunting. Um, Mack Engle from the star telegram reported on this a little bit. Uh, we're going to try and keep it to the facts only cause there's a lot that's been swirling about his health and his recovery. Um, but he fell not from a small distance out of a moving helicopter while hog hunting his harness broke, um, suffered some very significant injuries on that fall. That is a fall that not a lot of people survive f- from, um, And so he has spent the last several weeks in the hospital with multiple significant injuries. Uh, I don't have a ton of details. I have not tried to pry into that situation that just felt really inappropriate to me. Um, But I know that you have some, some details as well, Melissa on that. Uh, Is there anything that, you know, as far as how he's doing, how things are going at this point? Cause I know that it, 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 this is not going to be any kind of straight line recovery. This is going to be, one step forward, two steps back, two steps yeah. forward, one step back kind of stuff as he, he is on this very long road to recovery.
1: Yeah. And, and just kind of the same thing is that obviously we want to respect the privacy of the family. And so, you know, we're not, we're not doing a lot of quote unquote journalism or reporting around this. It's more of a fact of that that Bram is facing a long road. Um, I, I think that if you guys want to know more of the details, the the star telegram article that Mac wrote, um, uh, it, it sounded like he yeah, had conversations with family and friends. And so kind of with permission was able to reveal some of that, but, um, there certainly are, uh, some challenges ahead. Um, when you think about falling from a, from a great distance, you know, obviously things come to mind as far as how the body functions, um, and different things. Uh, the, the thing I do want to share is that it wasn't the, the address of the hospital was, was publicly shared, um, for people that want to write letters of support. Um, I certainly think that, you know, at, we think of these athletes um, and we think of them as heroes and larger than life personalities. We think of them as people that we root for on Saturdays. And, and with Bram specifically, we think of a lot of people when his name comes up, Um, there's just such a there's such a, a moment of just kind of shared joy among the TCU community that's so rare of uh, someone that that in what was a very, very dark time for TCU fans on on a very, you know, like. Small level of hey, we just had this great season, and our quarterback just did something really terrible, and and now it's going to be marred by this. He came in and and kind of pulled TCU out of the darkness to a degree um, for something that ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, maybe isn't is it all that meaningful, but. Um, you know, he's in a period now where where he is struggling and he is fighting. Um and and he is in a really dark f- period and his family is as well. And so um, you know, just as, as fans, as supporters, of people that that think so fondly of this man, this young man, for what he did for us. Um, you know, your thoughts, your prayers, um, your letters of support. I, I think all of those things uh can be shared with him as just a small token of our appreciation for um, someone that not only gave us a great moment, but has been a great ambassador at TCU. And it's just a really, just a really great young man um, and, and far too young to be dealing with, with this type of um, trauma and, and uh, sadness. And so um, you can send your letters of support uh, to, and, and we can put this, we can drop this in the show notes too, but mm-hmm. um, Brooke Army Medical Center, uh, 3551, Roger Book Drive um, in Fort Sam Houston, 7, uh, 8, two three four and then just make those attention to the north ICU with the patient name of bram kohlhausen um I, just anything that you know just a, a note of encouragement I'm sure'd be much appreciated by by his family um and him and again we just we hope for the best for bram we know there's a long road but if there's one thing we know it's it's that this is a young man who doesn't look up at any obstacle um with anything but but expectation of overcoming it and and whether that's something as simple as uh, being down 31 to nothing at halftime of a football game um, or something as big as, is the long physical road ahead of him. um, We know that he'll attack it with everything that he has and that um, he'll have the support of a lot of people behind him that, that appreciate him for giving us a great memory um, and want to be there for him when he needs that support as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Best of luck to Bram Colehausen and his family, obviously holding them in our hearts and our prayers and our thoughts uh yeah so we will definitely include that address in the show notes for this so you when you get this podcast whether that's on spotify apple Podcasts, wherever frogs insider that information will be right there for you so if you want to jot down a little note send him a card send him some flowers Uh, i'm sure his family would appreciate hearing from uh the tcu fan base um during this time um uh, you know, Melissa, we've gone for, for a little bit of over an hour now, which is kind of the standard for us yeah. on these podcasts these days. But I do want to hit on a couple of little notes as we close out this episode. Um, first and foremost, TCU Men's Golf hired a new golf coach for the first time in yeah. over three and a half decades. Bill Monigle, uh has been TCU's golf coach for the last 36 years. He's been a part of TCU Athletics for the last 45 years. Uh, his contract was not renewed. Uh, And they told him that going into the season that his contract would not be renewed at the end of this year. Um, So he rides off into the sunset after taking TCU golf to their 32nd regional appearance in his 36 years at the helm. Uh, They finished, I believe, third in the Big 12 tournament this year as well. Um, So shout out to Bill and all that he did for TCU men's golf and for TCU athletics on the whole um over his 45 year career in Mm -hmm. purple and white i'm sure he will still be around as well he's a fort worth guy uh still very connected to the to the the department and so i'm I'm sure that won't be the last that we see bill monocle um but the frogs are now turning over a new leaf bill alcorn associate did you do that on
1: purpose Mm -hmm. did you do that on purpose that was pretty good bill alcorn
0: is turning
1: uh, over
0: a new uh, Coming in, as he's been the associate head coach at Oklahoma for the last six years, uh, and you know has helped them win some hardware pretty recently. Um, and so he is coming in and taking over this men's golf program that has shown some life over the course of Monocle's career but never quite fully made it to the top yeah. of that Big 12 mountain once they joined the Big 12 conference. and so this is an opportunity now for TCU to get uh, a new mind in and, and and really kind of hopefully elevate Uh, the program to the next level and and take them places that they haven't been able to get to quite yet. It's, it's a, it's a story that we're seeing all over TCU athletics at this point, right? Like we've seen it with football and basketball and baseball, obviously we've seen it with beach volleyball and equestrian and women's rifle. We've seen it with um, uh, indoor volleyball with Jason Williams coming in and taking them to the NCAA tournament. Uh, And now hopefully uh, women's basketball and men's golf for the next ones up on that trip um that'd be pretty cool to see two more programs really elevate uh to the level that we've seen across the program
1: we're coming for that director's cup stanford and texas watch out
0: let's do it let's make it happen uh speaking of director's cup tcu men's tennis makes it to the final four they beat michigan they're the third tcu team to beat michigan in a game this year um just feel so bad for those Wolverines can't get out from under TCU's shadow at this point. Uh, so that, that happened in the quarterfinals for the frogs to reach the final four, where they did fall to Ohio state for nothing. Uh, these tournaments are tough for tennis yeah. because you're playing so many matches in such a short amount of time. Uh, it is, it is truly a grind. Uh, men's tennis season isn't fully over yet. They do still have the singles tournament. Jake Fernley is in that he's advancing through that tournament right now. Uh, which is pretty cool to see. So keep an eye on that. Uh, The men's tennis account is providing updates there on the women's tennis side of things though. They brought home some hardware. They they are the inaugural NIT champions for Mm -hmm. women's tennis, which is pretty dope. Um, Obviously people are going to talk about, Oh, it was the NIT and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. But just remember how you felt when TCU Mm -hmm. men's basketball won the NIT after slogging through Years and years and years of obscurity to win that and bring some hardware home and just have that be a foundational piece of the next chapter for TCU men's basketball. This could be a similar thing for women's tennis: is hey, look, we came together, we won a championship. We brought home some some trophies and now let's go and let's build yeah. and let's get to the next level and the next level and the next level after that. That's a really cool momentum builder for that program. Really cool for TCU to, to be successful in that uh, arena. So And, very and
1: cool. only one team gets to be the first to ever win something. And mm-hmm. this is a brand new trophy, a brand new tournament. It's pretty awesome yes. that TCU will always be associated with the start of the women's NIT in tennis.
0: Super cool. Super cool stuff. Very excited for them. Congratulations to them. Uh, That's a big deal. So some positive things happening all across TCU athletics right now. Um, And we'll have hopefully some more positive news next week on the next episode of frogs insider, but that's going to do it for us here on this episode. Thank you again for listening. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also read all of our content over at frogs insider on our Patreon site, patreon.com slash frogs insider. It is $3 a month for excellent content. We have a sponsorship announcement as well coming on the next episode that we're going to get to talk about, which I'm very excited about. Um, That is part of the Dave Campbell's Texas football network. Super, super pumped there. Maybe another sponsorship announcement as well as those keep rolling in. If you want to partner with us, hit me up on Twitter, hit Melissa up on Twitter. I'm at frog preacher. She's at the coach Melissa. We'll talk you through what we're thinking as far as sponsorships goes. If you have something in mind, hit us up as well. And we'll, we'll work with you. We're negotiable. And that, um in that vein so thank you again for listening leave us a like and a review and i'm just gonna stop rambling at this point (laughs) go frogs
1: go frogs